Welcome to another Blue Jay Beat Wrap-Up Show featuring WhiteAndBlueReview.com's Matt DeMoranis. What is up, everyone? Uh, hope your day's going well whenever you're listening to this, tonight, tomorrow, the next day, whatever day. Uh, this is Matt DeMoranis from White and Blue Review, joined by Johnny Atawa from the Omaha World Herald. Um, coming to you from hopefully a quieter media room after Creighton's 78-67 win over Western Illinois to open, officially open their 2018-2019 regular season. Um, John, let's go. It's, they, they count now, so this is this podcast counts. Like The first one, didn't it? Yeah, we had an exhibition game, too, yeah. for us, um, where we thought the arena was falling apart around our... Honestly, very area. Again, uh, yeah, I don't know if that came across on the audio that the listeners got to hear, but for us, it sounded like the arena. Yeah, like you said, the arena was collapsing. There was like just legitimate fear in my eyes for a minute. I'm like, this is not normal. Right, or or somebody was picking up metallic pieces <laughs> of I don't know, like bleachers Giant. or something, like chairs, just chucking yeah. them at the wall. Whole I mean, bleachers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Section 109 was being thrown into section 108. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't understand what was happening. Yeah. So we got the door closed tonight. Uh, savvy move by John on John's part to uh, yeah. hopefully well, you hopefully you, create a quieter... Oh, I was going to say, you learn from the first exhibition. Yes, yes. And, you got to uh, learn from your mistakes. That's yeah. what Creighton's going to do. This one counted. They, they found a way to win, but yeah, it's the players are going to learn yeah. from this one. Um, you know... I'm just going to kick it off real quick. I, I'm not under any impression that this team is going to kind of... I've said it, and I'm just going to repeat it, because I don't. they're not going to be as good now as they will be at the end of the year. There's going to be so many bumps in the road, um, especially with the schedule they have this year, with the players they lost from last year, with the youth that they have, and any experience of the roster in general, trying to find the mesh point that is you know optimum for this team or optimal for this team, um, there's going to be learning curves. There's going to be bumps in the road. There's going to be losses that don't make sense on paper. Um, tonight was almost one of them, but I did feel like Western Illinois was a team that was being overlooked by a lot of people. I mean, I know they were Creighton was a 20-point favorite, and Western Illinois was picked last in the Summit League. I just didn't – I didn't look at that roster and go, that's a last-place Summit League team. I just felt like they were better than that. I still feel like that. There's, I feel like Western Illinois was part of the reason this game went the way it did. Um, so I'm not like in sky is falling, reset the whole scheme of everything you do. And you know, I think I think there's some good and some bad, but I think tonight was a result that I probably felt like this was going to play out that way, at least in my mind. What did you think? Uh, well, I mean, to a certain extent, I'm not surprised because of the things that you just laid out. I mean, with a, with a team, you've got veterans – ascending to enhanced roles. So guys like Davion Mintz and Martin Crompel, while they played significant minutes, for, well, Davion played significant minutes all year last year. Martin was half the year. But while they got that experience, they weren't the primary go-to guys, and mm-hmm. now they are. So, um, I mean, I think at this point last year, you were we, were we were talking about these players, but you were I remember several times where you were talking about them as, like, what could they bring because they're the auxiliary parts. Yeah. How much support can they give Kyrie and Marcus? Yeah, right. It, um, so this this year, now it's how much can they carry. Right. You know what I mean? So it's it's, like a, that's, it's just a different mentality yes. that they're going to have and they're, they're different 
responsibility that they shoulder. So they're adjusting, and then you got the younger players who, um, I mean, and I guess you can lump in the sophomores in that 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 realm as well. Mitch, Mitch, Tyshawn, Mitch Tyshawn, Jacob, Jacob yeah. who, even though he didn't play, mm-hmm. uh, Damian Jefferson, like yeah. those guys are also adjusting to sort of increased responsibilities. How how do you play um, in, in a new with with a new role? And then the freshmen and newcomers who are still getting adjusted to this level of play and with this team, what they how they fit and what their responsibilities are. So like, I can I could definitely I definitely wasn't surprised to see it go as hot and cold as it did. Mm-hmm. But I think, I mean, to say that I expected Western Illinois to be up by eight with about seven minutes left in the first half, sure, um, or for you know Creighton to never really pull away and and build a comfortable lead. Like, I don't think I expected that. I just thought yeah, that's, Creighton's, that's I thought Creighton's offense would be potent enough to just put Western Illinois away mm-hmm. fairly early. I mean, I could I could have seen it going back and forth mm-hmm. for uh, a good portion of the first half, but I thought, you know, Creighton would be up by 10 or 12 at halftime and win comfortably by 17 or 18, you know. There wouldn't so. be any moment of, like, Swinging momentum, where it's Western Illinois, then it's Creighton. That's right. right. Yeah, yeah. The uh oh moment, which I feel like. Did you have an uh oh moment? Not necessarily. I don't think I did. No. I, I was. I, mine was more intrigue. I was like, well, here's a situation where Creighton's down against an opponent they're favored to beat. Like, how do they handle this? Like, for the sure. The whole thing felt like an assessment in my mind. Yeah. And and there's so many moments that you can point out to uh, point at and say, well, yeah, wow, they're going to learn from that considerably. But um, I don't know. We. we we heard from Greg McDermott after the game, and he talked about their offense, especially in the first yeah. half, where he felt like guys were maybe trying to make plays individually, um, thinking that they could go one-on-one and win that matchup and kind of single-handedly pull Creighton out of a funk because it was kind of stuck in a funk. I think I went back and looked at it. It was like three points in six minutes, one of seven shooting, four turnovers. I don't know. It was kind of like a – I don't know how many possessions, maybe – 12 possessions or so in a row where just nothing seemed to flow. Mm-hmm. And during that stretch, that's when guys were kind of getting maybe um, too... Too forceful. Forcing it a little yeah. bit, at least according to McDermott. And and so, I don't know. I just I guess I didn't really expect that because we didn't... I haven't seen much of that um, in practice. Now, again, they haven't been tested in this way and they haven't felt the pressure of having to perform right. and win a game when it counted and all that kind of stuff against a team that obviously had some confidence and was inspired like Western Illinois was. So I think, yeah, I, I just, I was, a, I was a little bit surprised, and I think you know, my antenna is up, and there are things that I'll circle and, and come back to if they are, you know, sort of reoccurring themes as the, the season progresses. But you're right in that <laughs> Creighton, and we, I think we've kind of been clear on this, and I, the coaching staff has too, that they're going to be growing pains. That's what happens when you have a team that's replacing so many key pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's up to the coaching staff to help these guys learn from it. And it's up to the players to to stay confident and even when buying yeah. into sort of that idea that it will it will get better. You know, even though you lose a game that you maybe think you should have won, or you don't play as well as you think you could have because it probably got worse a little bit in that first half when it wasn't going well. It did at it first. Did. It went the other direction. Right. And before they reset it, so like, yeah, you're, that's a good point. Um, like this game, it's okay if this game is like the uh, the microcosm of 
the first month and a half of the season. Like if there are stretches where it looks great, but then you have two games in a row where you know, they can't find a groove. Mm-hmm. But then they look great again. Great again. It's, I think that's okay. Um, you obviously don't want to pile up losses during that stretch. You've got to find a way to win games. They yeah. found a way to win tonight, so that's important. But you also don't want to lose that confidence or that um, self-assurance that things are going to start clicking eventually. And I think that can be dangerous. I mean, that, that's con- Even a team as, as connected as Creighton is and they have a really good bond, like – they could lose confidence, and if yeah. you lose confidence, then that will have an impact, obviously, on the final result. Well, that bond is only tested when you are in the fire. Right. So, like, you have to be. It's, you it's, face it's, that. it's easy to say you're getting along now when things are when you don't have a loss yet. You know what I yep. mean? Like, or when things aren't snowballing yet. So, yeah, there's still that 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 still remains to be tested for sure. And with I a fi- team as balanced as Creighton expects to be, it looks like a, a group that's going to rely on. Not just one guy, but a collection of players to work together to... I mean, they had seven guys score eight or more points, and no one had more than 13 tonight. Yeah. So it was a lot of different guys contributing and helping each other. But if one guy, maybe for three or four games, isn't feeling like he's getting enough love or he's um, maybe left open a couple times and not getting the ball, maybe that you get that sort of... See the doubt plant in, into your head, and, and how do you respond to that? Can you still maintain that team first mentality? Yeah. Um, I think that they're well positioned to. Like I feel like they did what they needed to in the off season to kind of ready themselves for this moment. And I do think they have a couple really good leaders in Caleb Joseph and Connor Cashaw who aren't like their um, demeanor and their temperament isn't dictated by playing time. Like I think that those guys are know what it takes to be good leaders even if they're not scoring points or that was proven by Caleb last year and right. I think yeah, just his practice the way he attitude yeah. is always the same and, and the way Connor's carried himself so far in the first couple months being on Creighton's campus you would think that those two guys um, can be tone setters even though they're not necessarily making a, a big time impact now I think they both we'll expected, find out we'll find yeah, out Connor they, tonight because he struggled so right they both expected to even do more Connor certainly more than he did tonight, mm-hmm. um, and Caleb maybe even to a certain extent thinks that he could he could contribute in more ways too. So, uh, yeah, like you said, we'll see what they what where they go. But I think they do have you know, the pieces are in place for them to handle some growing pains that they're gonna, inevitably going to have to deal with over the next month or so. You just want to make sure <laughs> you want you would hope that they they learn from it, and they're not we're not talking about growing pains in February. Yeah. Um, nor are we talking about. Oh a team. yeah, yeah, right. I, right. Yeah, or, yeah. Nor are we talking about a team that um, maybe lost its edge or its confidence because of those. Like games. on the graph, there's going to be up and down, but you want to see like the needle like going. The up. collective. You want to see the yeah. whole thing moving in the upper direction. Yeah, yep. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I want to start with some bad tonight defensively. There's a lot we can pick apart here. Um, certainly in the first half, uh, with Kobe Webster and Isaac Johnson. Uh, for West Illinois, they both had big first halves. You know, Johnson went for 16 points on eight shots. Um, he got to the free throw line a lot. Uh, Kobe Webster pretty much played on the perimeter, but he went six for 12, hit three of seven. He was a guy I know they were focused on um, in in practice because he went 12 of 14 from three in the two ex- their two exhibition games. So I know he was a guy that Creighton was locked in on. Like this guy's dangerous and he's he's confident right now. Um, so for those two guys to have the first halves that they did, 
when you talk about antenna going up, that was number one because yeah. first on the docket is like trying to replace Kyrie Thomas, not just Kyrie Thomas, but Kyrie Thomas's impact defensively, to where every game going in for the last two three years, uh, definitely the last two, Kyrie guard that guy and he would have to worry about him. Like they take they literally take their best player out of the game and they worry about how to defend the rest of the team. So that's Creighton's challenge this year now is to try to how do you how do we scheme to stop these teams top weapons without a stopper yeah that we know of so far um, so that first half was pretty alarming because th- a few guys got a shot and I don't think anyone did well in the first half in terms of uh, following the scouting report knowing tendencies remembering tendencies and, and executing them um, that was alarming to me. What did you see in that first half? Well, you nailed it. I don't even know if there's much I can elaborate on that other than just hearing from Coach McDermott. And I think we talked to Caleb Joseph after the game game about how you let a guy like Kobe Webster do what he wants to do to start the game. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a, it's, it, he gets into a rhythm. And we should, so we should note that Kobe Webster is a six foot, 160 pound Summit League second teamer. Creighton has significantly more talented challenges ahead of them in terms of trying to stop backcourt guys that are talented. So, like, if if they're losing this dude, it's going to get worse if they don't, you know, find a way to yeah. hone in from the start. You know what I mean? So they knew what he wanted to do, and they let him do it. Yeah. So I think that, to me, is probably the biggest concern. But, you see, man, it, it was interesting hearing from Coach McDermott about it because he was like, yeah, we're, we're a scout-oriented team. I mean, we want... We look at the film, and, we, and everyone obviously wants to take away opponents' strengths, but Creighton has been pretty good at that over the last couple of years defensively. When they've gotten beat, a lot of times it's because they haven't been able – I mean, they focus so much on trying to do – take away one or two things that maybe the supplemental guys have hurt them, um, the auxiliary pieces have hurt them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's largely because of Kyrie, but usually the, the opponent's best scorer hasn't had a – great night against Creighton and, and um, the team has the, you know the opponent hasn't been able to sort of lean on its strengths against Creighton normally over the last couple of years um, so Kobe Webster got to do what he wanted Isaac Johnson got to do what he wanted uh, they did the, the Jays did take care of the seven footer on offense I thought their um, their double teams were effective to keep him from going to work on the block so that was uh, a positive, but mm-hmm. with a one-on-one, just guarding the dribble, fighting through screens, I think was a big thing. Definitely. Because they were, I feel like Western Illinois was pretty clever in how they got Kobe Webster open mm-hmm. off the ball. Same with Johnson, too. Just got him into position, scoring positions, and uh, and Creighton's defenders were, were, weren't, were out of position at times. They were kind of behind the eight ball on the catch, almost. You know, yeah. like when when the ball got to Isaac Johnson or Kobe Webster, it was like uh, you were already beat. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, no, that's true. But they did they did better in the second half. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, just to stay on defense. The, you know, in the second half, there was a lineup adjustment with Damian Jefferson going in for Connor Cashaw, and Damian guarded Isaac Johnson in the second half. And um, you know, obviously, we have to go back and watch the uh, rewatch the game and see how much Damian actually affected him, but I mean, three points on one of seven when he goes 16 on four of eight in the first half, that's quite a contrast there on, you know, and Damian had a great game, we'll talk about him in a second, but 
just in terms of them getting, like, you know, halftime was important because they obviously did a much better job defensively on those two guys. Uh, when you look at they went uh, 12 points on 5 of 17 shooting, they were 1 for 8 from 3, and the, the threes that they took, I felt like, were threes Creighton probably wanted them to take. They were challenge threes. They were, you know, step back threes. Yeah, one of those uh, threes was a lot like of a, isolation. A banked in three too. So uh, yeah, they were three of fourteen from three in the second half. I think that was Pyle who banked one in. Though. Yeah, yeah, that was so he was two for three, but right. So but but um, yeah, so it was like three for fourteen and eh, right, essentially two for fourteen. It, mm-hmm. it wasn't. Creighton did a much better job. You're right, but I mean, I just, but, but that seemed to be more of a, <coughs> a mindset thing because just looking at. I mean, they're 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 closer to us on that side of the floor defensively in the second half, so we can kind of like see and hear things a little bit better. Um, every time Caleb had a dribble stopped, he was calling out the dead call, which is what coaches have been harping on, like letting the team know, hey, the ball is stopped. Don't let him find a uh, a person to pass to to, to escape it. You know, um, his energy was great. Yeah, you could see it in his eyes that he was playing with a lot of tenacity. No Damian Jefferson was the same way. Um, Tyshawn Alexander did a better job in the second half. So I felt like all of those, those three specifically, did a much better job uh, just in terms of energy on the defensive side of the floor. And that made up for whatever they were lacking in terms of their focus on the scouting report because they were able to get a lot more stops and make those two guys specifically a lot more uncomfortable yeah. um, in the second half compared to the first. And the defense, that, that question is just going to kind of linger for a while. And, and I think, to me, it... it it's one of the biggest keys for this team is just can you get in a collective commitment to playing with energy, like you said, with focus um, for 40 minutes because they don't have the you – know, a guy like Kyrie, what's funny is like a, a guy like Kyrie could have – he could have brought his C game and still been a – plus defender yeah. on the ball. Okay. Yeah. But he ne- like, he always brought his A game, so that it's kind of a moot point because mm-hmm. he was always he always was passionate and took pride in and brought intensity defensively. But even if he didn't, even if he was kind of thinking, well, tonight I'm going to get mine offensively. Like his mistakes weren't effort mistakes. His no. mistakes were like I no, or nor were you know, they like, nor were they like athleticism or instinct sure. mis- mistakes yeah. or length like he had length. Mm-hmm. But they don't have they don't have a guy like that. Mm-hmm. Um but you you would think that they could sort of try to replicate at least the intensity, maybe not to the same degree of as Kyrie, but if they got guys who are committed or trying to commit th- themselves to that side of the ball that way, um, they can play sound enough defense to, to have the season they want. I do wonder if this year is going to be a lesson in like taking things for granted. Like twenty fourteen fifteen was kind of like a man. I hope you really understood how special Doug was and that that whole team, how much chemistry they had offensively, the 13-14 team, because the difference between the 13-14 offense and the 14-15 offense was stark. Now, does Creighton learn that same lesson with Kyrie Thomas in terms of how important he was defensively? Because if you don't have someone who can just shut somebody's water off, um, you know, just on command, essentially, say, Kyrie, go stop that dude. Yeah. Um, your lessons are going to be, like, you're going to pay for that. So, like, I, I just wonder if that's going to be one of those things where creating in a year where they have a lot of young parts and a lot of inexperience. Um, from a fan perspective, watching it, from a media perspective, watching it, do you realize how unique that was in terms of Kyrie's ability to just stop some of the top scorers in the country? You know what I mean? Yeah. Offensively, 
I feel like there's a lot we can dissect here because there was a lot of good and a lot of bad too. Um, I, what did you see in the first half in terms of why things were bogging down? Um, you know, Coach McDermott mentioned that he didn't use the phrase hero ball, but he didn't, you know, you mentioned kind guys. Felt like it. Yeah, like he that. said he something was, like if you dancing around if the offense much. is slumping, you want more passes, not less. Yeah. Move the ball more. Right. Uh, not less. Not you don't want to. You don't want to try to do it yourself. You should yeah. try to trust it even more. But um, I did think they had a couple good shots, and and honestly, if they would have hit their free throws, I feel like they probably the were ugly. they probably would have felt better. And then the turnovers. I think the turnovers. There were a I mean, lot. There were like eight turnovers in for, that first me, fifteen or so minutes. For me, the yeah. turnovers were probably a pretty good reflection of what McDermott was saying. But also, and also the other thing was the seven footer. I mean, yeah. it, it felt like crazy. I mean, he only played six minutes in the first half, but it was impactful. It was impactful six minutes. Yeah. He had three blocks, and he should have had four, should but they called a, a foul on him. The second I totally foul agree. Yeah. So, it, like, to me, it, I think, I mean, it, it was actually kind of funny just talking to a couple of the players after the game. It was like, yeah, it was kind of simple. Just come to a jump stop. If, if, if you're driving in the lane and you leave the ground with one foot, your options are – more limited of what you can do, and it's easier. And they work for, on that drill a lot. We've yeah, seen them do definitely. it. And, but it's easier for a, a shot blocker, a guy like he's the defensive player of the year in the summer league, like school record shot or school has a school record for blocks. Right, that's what he does. Um, it's easier for him to rotate over and get one on you if you're leaving off one foot. But you jump, you you come to a jump stop with two feet. Um, and you elevate off two feet. Number one, you get you can get higher, and number two, you can you you're in a better position to make a play, either one on one against him or dish the ball to somebody else. You know, you can read the defense. You have a little you're under control more, mm-hmm. and so I think they did a better job in the second half with that. And you would hope that they learn from it. It's actually kind of interesting because it reminded me a little bit of Gonzaga in the second half of that game when uh, Gonzaga was really good at protecting the rim and and uh, they're long and. Creighton just sort of got outside of its game plan, and they started kind of going aggressively to the rim. Mm-hmm. No jump stops. Recklessly to the rim. A little yeah. reckless, yeah. yeah. And they, I mean, I think there were three or four blocks that led to um, points on the other end because you know, that kind of jump starts the offense there. Into like a live ball turnover. Right. It, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, Creighton had eight turnovers plus got three blocks, which feels like, like you said, turnover at times mm-hmm. so I think they I don't know it, it felt like there were a lot of elements at play as to why the offense sort of struggled at times but then again they made 9 of 14 threes and it's funny they were actually worst points per possession were worse in the second half somehow. right well the after they got they I mean in the first half they they I mean towards the end of the first half they got really hot they did and that kind of like skewed some of it, I think. It, it skewed it a little bit, um, and the fact that they hit so many threes. Yes, they were nine of um, fourteen in the first half. Right, and only two for nine in the second. I think they got some good looks in the second half from three. And then the other thing too is once they built that lead, once they got up by, oh, was it sixteen in the second half or yeah, fourteen? I think so. um, yeah, they. I felt like they let the foot off the gas pedal a little bit, and they and they, they just sort of kind of sputtered a little bit to the finish line mm-hmm. offensively. But, yeah, and they also missed free throws. <laughs> they did. They missed a lot of free throws tonight. Um, well, so they were 2 of 8 in the first half on the free throw line, 
and then uh, seven to twelve in the second half. Is that right? Yeah. So just like just to highlight things we're talking about with the shot blocker and then the free throws. Creighton was twelve of twenty four on layups tonight, and nine for twenty at the free throw line. Yeah. You, so you think how many points you're leaving. I mean, they scored seventy eight, but. Think of how many points you left there just by, like you said, not being sound with the jump stops and letting that guy just swing away at everything you're throwing at the rim. Um, let him alter, contest, block. Uh, and then when you do draw a foul or get to the free throw line, because they did get him in foul trouble, you only hit nine for 20. Like, mm-hmm. that's not good. So those, yeah, they, they kind of hurt themselves in the I, areas. I looked it up. They, they've only had seven games. This was number eight. In Coach McDermott's tenure, where they've shot worse than fifty percent from the free throw line, on uh, ten or more times. No, no, no just, just period. To- total. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> Only seven times have they shot worse than that. So they've had some bad ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, but not. You know, they. It's been a while since they did a nine. Of, had something like nine to twenty. Well, the thing is, maybe like two or three years. I don't know if this team's going to be a good free throw shooting team. I almost want to confidently say they're not going to be. But when you look at Martin, he's a big man. He's two for seven. He's going to be – he should Froling's be better. 0 for that. 1. Damian's 0 for 1. Like, Marcus missed his first two. Um, he should be better than that. He should be better than that. I agree. I think, you know, the three misses from – the four misses from Tyshawn, Marcus, and Caleb are probably – going to correct themselves, but I don't know if the rest is. Well, I feel like they won't be a team. If it's a team where the majority of the free throw attempts are taken by Crumple and Samson Froling, mm-hmm. like, sure, you can make that argument that they won't be um, as good as maybe... Like if Marcus is taking as, them all. Well, yeah, as good, as, you would, anyway, as, good as you would think if, of a team that could potentially shoot the three at like a 37 yeah. or 38% clip. I don't think – I mean, they did shoot the three better than they shot free throws tonight, which I don't, I don't think they're going to be that the rest of the season. But <laughs> that, that, would sense, be, but that would be crazy wild. if they were. But 46% from yeah. three, 45% from the line. Yeah, but can I would shoot. Be, can they shoot free throws from the three-point line? Can you? I, I, I like, would, what's your barrier there? I don't You're know. You stay inside the three, but Maybe. pass the free – yeah, I don't know. That'll be interesting. We might have to ask Mac that. Yeah. Um, I, I, that might be the next <laughs> – uh, the next, the next deal. That's um, let it fly. Two point I could, I right could, there. but I could see them being a team where they're like, you know, like forty five, thirty eight, sixty five type of deal this year. I could see that happening. What would forty five from the floor? Yeah, like thirty eight from yeah. three and sixty five from the free throw line. I think which, they'd like to be a little bit higher than forty five. Oh, I don't yeah. have a top of yeah. mind. Like to be higher than that, <laughs> right. but I could, I just, I could see that happening. I just don't know if their parts are built. Like, the, the, the amount of attempts they're going to get just from big men alone is probably going to bring down the number. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you were marking it down tonight. Um, what were they, like, two for – no, they were six for 17. And you're like, it's going to take a while to get this number up. Like, even if they have a good game, <laughs> yeah, they're free throw. To, to sway They're going to be here. last in the Big East in free throw shooting percentage for, like, three weeks <laughs> <Yeah>. because <laughs> it's going to be hard to pull this one back up. Right, right. When, when you start, not, start the season 9 of 20. But you know what? I was looking at it last year. They started 4 of 10 against Yale. Okay. And so eventually they pulled it, that back up. Gotcha. I mean, it got respectable by the end of the year, even though that team had, was, had a struggle to get to the line. But mm-hmm. Man, they got to the line twenty times. That's what you you would feel good about that. Oh, for um, sure. I, I think but. the disparity when you let I me mean, look at like so they shot twenty three threes. I feel like that's a good number. 
to take. You know 23 I mean? out of 63 attempts, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then 20 at the free throw line, that's a good. So when you're like 23 at the free three, 20 at the line, then, you know, so if, yeah, uh, if, you're, you're, you're uh, 20 from two. Yeah. Right? So that's a good disparity. So you would think that, okay. And we know they shot. They tried to shoot layups. So like they stayed modern, right? right? It was a mid range. Although Tyshawn got yelled at a few times because yeah, he can hit those shots though. But yeah, some of them were a little forced. But Mm -hmm. you know they were trying to stay layup three free throw line. Like it's like all the modern offenses are doing now. So yeah, Uh, I'm a fan of the mid range game. I understand why it's dying, but it's it's fine. It's whatever. Um, Yeah. Well, what's interesting about it is they have guys on this team that actually can. I think so too. Damien is a really good mid-range shooter. Yeah, Damien is. is. So is Connor Cashall. He can he can knock okay. down that. Yeah, Tyshawn, he's, good, he's good in the Connor's they, good in the post. They had a they ran an out of bounds play for Tyshawn, uh, baseline jumper. He missed it, mm-hmm. but yeah, he's he's got that he's got that that shot maybe too. They'll, maybe they'll bring Valik Valik shot one missed it. Did miss shoot a two tonight? Yeah, he shot a he shot a pull up jumper off a ball screen, um, that he didn't knock down. I think. Okay. Tyshawn might have done one too and, and, and knocked it down, but yeah, they, didn't, they don't they don't shoot a lot of those. No, certainly not. You're not going to see him pulling up off the dribble very often to shoot a mid range jumper, even though it did happen a couple times tonight. And like you said, it draw it drew sort of the uh, scowl of the coach. or, <laughs> <Yeah>. or uh, <laughs> the eye roll from Coach McDermott. Um, I saw a few of those. From, there were from there, Coach I McDermott mean, there were because on, on both ends, and and you can tell that. Uh, we go to practice a lot, so a lot of the things that he was talking to the players about seem to be things that they have heard before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they've heard those things. So yeah. uh, it'll, like, it'll be a, it'll the life be a, of an eighteen to twenty-two year old. Right, it'll be an informative week for the team. I think. Oh, no question about it. Because, like we've kept alluding to, the schedule is not going to forget. The schedule is not going to give them an opportunity to learn fast. You know what I mean? It's going to give them tests that they have to just right well i think one of the things that's beneficial or works in their favor at least this next week is east tennessee state is replacing a ton of players so they're kind of in the same they're also pretty well coached though so like i could see when you when you try to like evaluate how teams like rebuild quick you tend to look at how like there's the the, the track right staff so yeah but at least i do agree with you they're dealing with sort of that same transition with and ohio state's doing the same thing they lost their best player and a couple other really big contributors for them so these next two teams that Creighton's about to face are in a similar situation. So, you know, of course. All the things Creighton's dealing with, they'll be dealing with. Yeah. I got you. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. and in the case of Western Illinois, they kind of knew who they were coming into this game. They returned four starters. Um, yes, they were kind of young in terms of their best two players, maybe aside from the shot blocker. I mean, he, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a low. Yeah. He's a senior. But yeah. they're two. Webster and, and Johnson are both sophomores. Mm-hmm. They, young, uh, they, what's they, his name? Young. I, I forgot his first name. I'm sorry about that. Let me see if I can click on it real quick. But he's a three-star ESPN kid, Zion Young, from Simeon High School. So like, that's a that's a legit talent. Yeah, right and, there. and the pile like you know ten minutes. And the pile kid um, from Kansas. Oh, he's good. He, I like him. He's a good scorer. Uh, yeah, they got they 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 looked okay. God, I mean, man, how does that team make ninth? I don't. I don't under that Summit League is gonna be. Young. Bear this year if that's the worst team. <laughs> if they're the, the worst team in the oh, summer, man. That's I'm, what I was saying. Three. I know I'm trying man. to like. I know it, it sounds like it, I'm it making is. Creighton look better by saying that, but like, I just there, there's some ability there. You know what I mean? You would like, think. You would think. I mean, how many how many seven foot shot blockers are there in the summit league? I don't know. If you already won Defensive Player of the Year too, like he's coming back off that. I don't. know. We'll see. 
maybe I'll be crazy, but um, some individuals I think we should probably highlight. Uh, I mean, does Damian Jefferson go first, right? Yeah. I mean, he was the big, biggest part of the game. Yeah, I think in like terms of just like when everything switched back into Creighton's favor, he was he was he, a it was part him of it. crashing the glass, attacking the rim. It's it just like just his ability to grab it off the glass and go was yeah. was important and. Because they went down twenty six eighteen when he came in, right? And then he kind of he, come kicked, in he had that? a couple driving layups and transition yeah, off the rebounds right. that kickstarted that twelve two run. Yep. To get him uh, a lead for a little bit. It was um, funny, so. I I just wrote my story about the game was really focused on him because I felt like he had such an um, important impact and it's the first time that a lot of Creighton fans had seen him play, so I thought a lot of people would be curious about sort of his transition and what his mentality was. I didn't really write anything about his scoring. Because the message that he has received from the coaching staff and he appears to be buying into, although it's still kind of a work in progress, according to Coach McDermott, because Damian, um, you know, he, he was molded as sort of a big-time scorer when he was in high school. Mm-hmm. But he wants to be a guy who defends and a guy who rebounds, and he makes an impact with his energy. And to me, for a team that's in transition mode, and Damien is a, he's adjusting to a new role too, with, yeah. with more expectations or responsibility than he's had before. But bringing energy is just a mentality thing. You don't have to worry about making shots, or uh, I guess you, you, there's part of you got to execute an assignment, yes, and and you got to be disciplined. But if you're if you're just bringing energy, like that's something pretty easy to be consistent with. And if that's what the coaches are asking you to do first, maybe that's something that he could bring to this team that adds some stability from a game-to-game basis for, that you, that you know when Damian Jefferson's coming off the bench, he's going to hustle, he's going to grab you eight boards and get a couple buckets going to the rim in transition. He's going to defend with some intensity and some passion. Mm-hmm. Like it, that, would be, that would be key for Creighton if, if, he could, um, if he could bring that on a nightly basis. Yeah, we'll see. And I'm, we'll I'm, see if he's able to. For day I am one, curious day. to see what happens when teams uh, scout him uh, because I felt like a lot of his rebounds tonight were just him just crashing and being aggressive and not necessarily having a block, a block there, out. There know? wasn't a body on him. That's what I mean. So, yeah. like, that's going to be something that teams look when they're like, okay, that guy can grab 12 of them and he can get up and go mm-hmm. get them. We have to make sure we put a body on him, possibly two, um, to keep him off the glass. So I'm curious to see um, how teams scout him in terms of his ability to go get it uh, because I didn't think Western Illinois had any idea what he was capable of because he kind of had, you know, a lot of the rebounds he grabbed were just him being more aggressive and not having anyone um, in a purple jersey capable of blocking yeah. him out. So yeah. um, that'll be interesting to watch going forward. But he was those rebounds were huge because, um, you know, without Epperson um, and with Ronnie Harrell grabbing 13 tonight for Denver. Um, he grabbed 13 tonight? 13, yeah. Wow. Um, maybe it was 14, actually. It was somewhere around there. 13 to 14. Um and missed that a little bit, so yeah. that was big for him to step into that role because he's the guy who can go to the top of the square or near it to get a rebound. He can grab one off the top of the rim um, and get it going and get the break going, uh, so that's a big role for him. But I thought, and defensively in the second half, again, it's a uh, probably had to rewatch to be more specific, but he was on Isaac Johnson from the start. That was his assignment, and Johnson struggled in the second half. So yeah. that was good to see him kind of embrace the things that the coaching staff has been focusing on for him, saying, look, everybody on this roster can score, you can score, but you don't need to force – you don't need to score um, 
in abundance to have an impact. Your impact is going to be in rebounding and defense and pushing the ball in transition. And I thought all three of those things, he checked every box tonight um, for his Creighton debut. It was pretty impressive. Plus minus was good too. Yeah. He was, for a while he was the he had the best plus minus on the team by far when yeah. they were struggling. Jefferson. Yeah, I think he was yeah. like plus nineteen. Who ended up with the best? Uh, Martin. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought Martin played pretty well. I, I like some of the things he did on on the block. Well, I it think, was back to the basket. Yeah, I right? think that yeah. Creighton's going to need that at times. You know, when the offense bogs down a little bit, if you can get him isolated one on one in the post, even if a team brings a double team against him. That opens up, you know, ball rotate or moving the ball, and, and um, maybe you can attack a poor closeout on the other side of the floor if you move it around the court quickly enough. Mm-hmm. So I think his ability to score one on one on the block is going to be important for Creighton going down uh, down the stretch. And you know, he he had a couple of times where he was up. I don't know if did he score one on one against a seven footer. I don't know if he did. I know he drew a foul on him once. Uh, Damian. No. Or uh, Martin. Yeah, Martin, I don't think he scored on the seven-footer. I don't think he, he scored did. on their other big guy. Right. The reserve big man. Yeah. Who had some pretty good length of his own, you he, know. He did. He wasn't He wasn't as impactful as Oh, the, he almost, was that the guy who almost dunked on Tyshawn? Yes. Yeah. Good defense by Tyshawn on that play. Walling up and. Hey, I, I've, I've told people this all the time. It's, it's much better to jump and to be a presence than to give up the dunk. So, so you're, where you say business business decision is to get out of the way, I think yeah, you think it's actually better. It's to a, just it's a team it's a team decision to jump and play defense. Okay, I thought it was pretty good. He did everything he was supposed to do, mm-hmm. and the dude missed the dunk. So he's worked. dunk. It's two points if he if he doesn't jump if he's not if he oh, goes sure. if he goes out of the way. And, that makes and sense. Yeah. also it was at the end. It's toward the end of the game where it seemed like pretty much that the, the final result was was over. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I put an asterisk by that play. I now, liked it. Honestly, the end of the game was weird to me because I felt like the end result wasn't in – I didn't feel like it was in the bag, and Western Illinois wasn't very intense. It, it didn't feel like they had a, like, are, a you're, plan you're kind for – like, are you going to press here? Yeah. Or, or, like, it felt really like they started that way too late, I yeah. thought. And, my, and it wasn't with much of a purpose they only, when they did I mean, it. They were only down eight when – There's a couple possessions. Like, Kobe like, hits one of the – That two, corner one of those three, crazy I think. Yeah. yeah. And then – I was – it felt weird. That's mm-hmm. all I'm saying. Like it didn't feel like Western Illinois had a bunch of a plan for. Right. I don't know if they didn't expect to be in that situation and didn't like have prepared themselves for, for how to close out a game if they're within striking distance. But I just didn't think they did. I don't think their urgency was like a yeah. team that was only down eight with a, you know three or something minutes left. So it's going to be interesting was, because I, I, you know, I know what potential guys like Davion Mintz and Mitch Ballack and Tyson Alexander Martin all have. But, um, you know, when Caleb Joseph comes off the bench, he gives you nine, and Damian mm-hmm. Jefferson gives you eight and 12, and Zagorowski gives you eight. Crowley only gave him five, and we know, we know he's capable yeah, more than he, that. Yeah. It's, it's just going to be weird. Like, how do you, how do you know? I mean, it, it, the season's going to be – it'll be intriguing to watch all year how Creighton manages and McDermott and his coaching staff manage the bench, bench and utilizing these guys and figuring out how to – Mix and match them because, um, well, you know, there's just there's just not that big. It's not that clear gap between your top players and the players behind them. I think it's good for Creighton that they've developed some depth and they seem to have some options. But you know, like last year, going into the year, you knew Marcus and Kyrie 
are the go-to guys. They're, they're, the, they're at the top of the lineup. And mm-hmm. two years ago, I think they had the same starting five until Maurice Watson went down, and then they took him out and put Davion Mintz in. And so you had the same four with a new point guard, but it was like you knew who the top guys were, and then everyone else just filled in their roles. As the season progresses, like, does it get to a point where it's clear who is, like, who fits where, who slots where? I don't know. And, like, um, I feel like it could be a game-to-game basis because uh, the, the the gap isn't really that significant between the whoever's at the top of the depth chart and the number one spot and whoever's right behind him at, yeah, at, I mean, at a number two spot. The thing that's interesting is, and we can go down a, like a crazy rabbit hole on this, um, this topic, trying to figure out, is, do you, does a team need a go-to that you trust in the situations where it's like, okay, time to give that guy the ball and let him do his thing? Or can you do it by committee for a full season like yeah. this? Like, like you mentioned, like, you know, Mitch Ballack leads the team in uh, shots with 11. Tyshawn had 10, Martin 9. Then you're like, Mintz 8, Joseph and Jefferson 7, Zagorowski 6. Okay? And then and Froling 5. And then and then you factor in that Epperson didn't even play tonight, yeah. so he's going to. And then that, and then Max says Bishop isn't redshirting, so he's got, like... He's in so there somehow. So there's 11 people that are, like, that have a chance to just, on any given night, yeah. be on the floor and play extended minutes and be part of the rotation. Like, so where do you, or which direction do you lean in? Do you lean in like committee can get it done, or do you have to like find separation eventually? Because Max has gone both ways on this. I think he likes the depth that this team has, yeah. but he also feels like the fact that there isn't a lot of separation uh, makes it very difficult from a coaching standpoint to figure out who's got it on a nightly basis. And tonight, they went with the wrong guy. To, I mean, let's just be honest. Connor Cashman did not have a good first half. Yeah. And was probably, I mean, four turnovers um, in 10 minutes, and he didn't attempt a shot. So that was that was a contributing factor to why Western Illinois was in control of the game. Right. And so then what, Damian Jefferson gets the gets his number called, and he flips the script. Yeah. So, like, from a coaching standpoint, you want to have guys you can trust from the jump to get the thing started right. right. So, like, next Because you, know, you don't want to be in a hole. On Sunday – if they start Damian Jefferson and he's not exactly. like bringing his A game, exactly. then are you wasting how long, how much time do you stick with yeah. it until you like, because you're like, well, he already did this. Else. Does yeah. he have that? Yeah. Like, can I just tell him real quick, say, hey, do that again? Like, yeah, it's it's going to be challenging. So I, I don't know which way you're like, which way you feel like is I, the most I don't know. The best way. I mean, I, I would think ideally you would want go to guy. I think you want. What you want to be able to trust guys and, and know what to expect, I would think. Yeah. So if you know that you can get, uh, I mean, I think if you know that you can get double digits from four starters every night, you're okay with that because then you know, okay, well, if you know if the shots aren't shots not falling for Mitch, there's three other guys in the lineup that have averaged double figures and they'll be able to carry them, and maybe somebody will supplement his production off the bench. But are we sure that? You're gonna get double digits from your from four of your five starters every right, night. Right. Are you sure that you're gonna get and which, uh, the contributions yeah. that you got from the guys off the bench uh, in the same fashion that they did tonight? I don't know. Because we do know that guys are capable. If we go down the roster, like we know, there's a lot of guys capable of. I mean, we saw Jacob Everson against Villanova. We know he's capable of being a matchup nightmare. 
Um, he blocked six shots against Providence and at MSG. Like he's capable of taking over a game and being, a, a, you know, one of the top five impact players on the floor. Uh, Mitch Ballack, we know, can do that. Tyshawn Alexander, we know, can do that. Um, you know, Davion Mintz thinks he can do that. Like he's got ability to score. He showed it against in the exhibition game. Um, Martin Crample had a great season last year before he got hurt. Like we know, there's guys on this team that can take over. You know, and then the other ones that are are starting to prove it now are Marcus Zagorowski and Sam Froling. Um, you know, those guys we feel like are talented offensive players too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you can legitimately get it from like just anyone on the roster. Essentially, it's just gonna be interesting to see how they how they work minutes and manage yeah. it. And I feel like I feel like I would imagine that Creighton fans who are watching it are gonna end the game. Thinking like, well, why didn't so and so play more? Yeah, like, I, there's I think, gonna be a lot of games. I think like there's gonna be a lot of differing opinions. Sure. Like, I, I bet you and I, but in a couple weeks, will be thinking about, you know, did did they make the right decision in terms of their lineup combination in this game? And we'll probably have different opinions about it just because it's it, it is gonna be one of those things where I bet it'll come down to feel and the, playing the hot hand and um, in that scenario, I think. The responsibility obviously it lies with the coaching staff, and they got to make good decisions in the moment. Um, I did think I, I will give them credit tonight, though, because, and I've heard this a lot. Uh, you know, fans tend to think uh, that Greg McDermott is a coach who doesn't really adjust in game very well. That there's um, they prepare very well, they scout very well, but like when Plan A doesn't work, Plan B isn't necessarily there's a gap between B and A I guess I should mm. say that's what a lot of fans think that because um, that's a question I get all the time is like why did, why isn't Creighton better in the second matchup in the Big East like that go around like why why does Creighton have a, a worse record in the second go around than the first like um, all those adjustments that need to be made going with Damian Jefferson um, was an in-game adjustment going with Caleb Joseph was an in-game adjustment I felt like the well, the strings that were pulled tonight um, was a good sign that like they are they understand they're going to be tinkering with this thing yeah. throughout the season and that while that may lead to some guys having shorter leashes uh, which you can argue might lead to tighter play and not necessarily the most confident play because you feel like if you make a couple mistakes in a row you know that's your that's your evening essentially mm-hmm. um, but I mean I felt like Connor got enough minutes to to, to assess that he didn't have it, um, that he wasn't having his best performance and it was time to go for someone else. And then when Damian immediately came in and, I mean, he was a spark from the jump, so it was easy to make that decision. Um, and then Caleb in the second half was really good, as you mentioned. Um, so it was easy to kind of ride him for extended minutes to get him 15. Um, and Zagorowski as well when Damian well, uh, had got some in foul trouble. Yeah, Damian got in foul trouble in the in first, first half. half. And then in the second half, I think he got, um, I feel like there was a play where he went one-on-one with a seven-footer. Right at him, um, like a wall. Yeah, and then the, it might have been the next possession, maybe it's two possessions later, where he drove baseline and he jumped off one foot and yep. threw a pass, mm-hmm. and that is a no-no for this team. They, they've really tried to – I think in the coach's mind, if you leave your feet, you better be leaving your feet with a shot, like, um, and you better be open. Yeah. It, you know, you, the decision better be that, made by you before you leave your feet. Right. It, so, like, you can't get there and be confused. And it is it. a dangerous situation, and the turnover percentage, um, the likelihood of a turnover in, increases exponentially when you leave the feet with no plan. Yeah. And so, 
that I think that those two moments stuck out to me in the second half with Davion. Um, I think he he's still trying to figure out. In my mind, he, he looks like a guy who's still trying to figure out where he fits. I feel like he had a really good handle on what to do for this team last year, and as the season wore on, he really I thought settled in, and by the end of the year was doing was doing everything that he was being asked to do. Yes, I agree. But it's changed now, mm-hmm. and he's got to adjust to Cause being a, more of a Because there is a balance between being a playmaker for guys like Tyshawn and Mitch and Martin and also being a scorer with those guys on the floor at the yeah. same time as you. So And creating, a, creating offense for those guys, it's different than when you're creating for Kyrie and Marcus. They're mm-hmm. just different players. Mm-hmm. So knowing where they're going to be and, and how to look for them. I mean, think of that one play where he, Davion, this is the second half, I think, where he drove and delivered like a no-look bounce pass to Mitch, and it was just like a hair. Yeah, the timing wasn't quite right. Yeah, I don't know, hair off. Mitch probably still should have caught it, but he fumbled sure. it out of bounds. Yeah. But like, No, Mitch said he should have caught it. He yeah, he, he did, he did, but like it was, I don't know, the timing was just like a smidge mm-hmm. off. And I thought and his so, uh, hitting Martina on some of those slips, too, on the ball screens, uh, I remember one went straight out of bounds uh, when Martin made the slip, so the timing wasn't there either. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there is a there is a challenge there in terms of you know getting your timing right with making plays for others versus making plays for yourself. So uh, I remember one of the threes he took was a, the only one he missed actually was a three over the seven footer. Yeah, and so it's you like, don't want to be shooting a three over that. It was guy. early in the shot clock, yeah. and and as. Creighton was trying to, like, put the game away. Right. Like, close it out, and so that was kind of ill-advised. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel bad, like, breaking down every single decision that Davion has made, like, made in that game. Yeah. Like, like, well, I mean, it's just I mean he's obviously getting... It, but, it, it goes but to the larger conversation of, like, there's going to be moments where guys make mistakes and that the, 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 the supporting cast, you know, that we think is the supporting cast, the, you know, Marcus Zagorowski will have a chance... Um, to make plays if Davion doesn't have it. Davion will have a chance to make plays if Tyshawn doesn't have it. Like, yeah. There's going to be ebb and flow to the, the, who the coaches, whose number the coaches call on a given night, I think is the main point there. So right. like where, where Davion or Connor didn't have it tonight, um, you know, Marcus and Caleb and uh, Damian stepped up. Like uh, where, where the offense is bogged down and Mitch hits like three threes at, towards the end of the first half. Um, that's big when, where Tyshawn comes out. Is really aggressive offensively in the second half, hunting his shot, you know, trying to find his spots to, to knock down some threes. Um, when Martini's attacking the room, posting up guys, like all of that stuff. Uh, I know it's a long-winded answer there, but all of that stuff is like goes to everybody being confident in their abilities and then using it within the dynamic of the team um, to get the win. Because I don't think I wouldn't be. I, this is not going to be the last ugly win that Creighton has this year. Uh, when when the starters don't have it and the reserves need to pick it up, or when the starters have it, the reserves let it go, like things like that. I think there's going to be a lot of like, like we said, the needle's going to move up and down a little bit this yeah. year. And I'm interested to kind of just look at lineups and how they perform together because I know oh, that's yeah. that's what the coaching staff is going to do over the course of the next couple weeks. Is really try to assess who plays well with the, who, who plays well with who, and how does. So and so, one person's skills accentuate the skills of somebody else. Um, I think that'll be something to keep an eye on too, and they're going to have to figure that out. And I think that plays into kind of what you're talking about of, of one guy stepping up and filling a void when another guy's not 
feeling it. It might, be, it might make it easier for the coaching staff to make those decisions if they know um, a little bit of a little bit better, like what lineups are kind of suit the strengths of yeah. certain guys. It is interesting because I think, like from a fan perspective, where you said trying to figure out who you trust from the outside looking in, I think there's a lot of like a lot of that going on from the inside looking out as well. Like there's like I think so you know too. What I mean? yeah. Like all right, who was good in the situation? Like you mentioned, so yeah. um, that's game one though. It's a win. And they'll be off tomorrow and then have, what, two, three days? What's tomorrow? Thursday? Wednesday? Tomorrow's Wednesday, yeah. Thursday, so. Friday, Saturday to prepare for Sunday's game? Yeah. Okay, so, yeah. Yeah, I think I, 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 I would say that my eyebrows are raised a little bit. You know, I think tonight's game, um, it did reinforce some of the questions I had about the team. I'm not going to overreact and say, okay, well, i got to reset my expectations. I'm not going to do that yet. But I do think that, um, you know, just from a question of whether or not guys can ascend into roles and find um, and settle into sort of something that's consistent and stable, that I still am concerned about that. And then defensively being able to collectively reach a level that's acceptable, still yeah. concerned about that. So there's probably, like, I mean, I think... Those are probably all the questions you had before you saw any games, though. Right. No doubt, yeah. but So, like, I think right. when you, just in terms of evaluating this performance, it's just a win and not many things were answered. There were, uh, no. In terms of bigger picture. Right. Yeah. But, the, yeah, and so those questions are still there. And yeah. We'll keep monitoring them. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I think that's uh, that'll do it for game one. Uh, we'll be back uh, Sunday afternoon. Although, I think 12.30 tips might as well be called morning because that's what it feels like when you get up for those things because you have to get up early anyway. And then, yes. Yeah, so uh, 12.30 tip, I think, is what it is, right? 12.30 tip for East Tennessee State, I believe, is accurate because volleyball is at 2.30. That sounds right, right to me. Maybe yeah. it's 1. I don't know. Let's look it up real quick to be accurate. Uh, again, we're going to show up in the morning, so. Yeah, like it'll, you know, it'll be at 10, 30, 11 a.m. Um... Basketball. I think 12.30 is accurate. 12.30 is accurate. FS1, 16.20, all the good stuff. Um, so, yeah, we'll be back Sunday morning slash afternoon uh, for Game 2. Creighton hosting East Tennessee State from the CHI's Health Center. Um, as always, here's our promos. Uh, check out Johnsburg at Omaha.com. Omaha World Herald. Buy a newspaper. Subscribe. What's the deal going on right now? Same deal, sports-only subscription, $6.99 per month. First, first month is only $0.99. Cents. Okay. So $6.99 per month is essentially like a hamburger at Five Guys or something. You know, like just a Is lim- that what they cost at Five Guys? I don't know. I, I feel like they're more expensive. You, more expensive? I would think so. A sandwich five at, guys, like, sandwich at Jimmy that. John's? That's, I don't know. Yeah. Like, it's essentially one lunch Per month, I feel like you can find a way to wiggle that into your budget. So you you for want good. people not to eat and read your hamburgers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Advocating my... starvation for reading John's work. Um, yeah, but you got, you got a new podcast, though, with, new podcast. with uh, Chris Eddy, who's the Nebraska beat writer this right. year. Me and uh, Chris and I. Two episodes in that, right? Two episodes in, basically just talking basketball, but it's obviously more of the topics that are of local interest. So oh, sure. a lot of Creighton talk and a lot of Nebraska talk, too. You guys can have Boone on there every now and then? And I think you? so, but, man, he's crazy. His schedule's insane. Yeah, his schedule is always insane. He was out with the Mavs in 
Minneapolis. Uh, Minneapolis. Yeah. They play Minnesota tonight, and I think he's on the road again this week covering uh, high school volleyball in Iowa. And, uh, you know, he's big on the boxing beat. So yeah. hopefully we can get him at well, some your next, point. Your next podcast will be fun for Nebraska listeners for sure because they worked Mississippi Valley State like a yeah. like that team shouldn't be in D1. <laughs> The way they worked in the night. I mean, I don't remember Nebraska putting that on somebody that bad in a long time. Um, but, yeah, that podcast is great. I, I tried to listen to the second episode today, but it, it froze on me when I was uh, in the car. So I'll finish that. But the first one was good. Um, so check out that stuff. New podcast at Omaha.com uh, with the Creighton, Nebraska perspective. And, obviously, John's work postgame um, and during the week. Volleyball's home for four in a row. Um, so check out all our stuff, White and Blue Review. we got a new podcast up as well with a 25-minute interview with Mitch Ballack, just uh, kind of talking about a bunch of different topics. Um, last year, um, breaking out last year, breaking out his process in terms of how he tries to improve on a daily basis, uh, talking about this season coming up and all that stuff. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting interview. He offers pretty good perspective on things. Uh, so check that out, and then we will catch up with you guys Sunday after the East Tennessee State game. Thanks for tuning in.